My name is Brian Kinsey, and I'm the pastor of First Pentecostal Church in Pensacola. I'm delighted that you're listening to this message, and I hope it blesses your life. If you'd like to submit a prayer request, or if you're interested in a personal Bible study, you can call us at 850-477-1100, or send us an email at firstpent at firstpent.org. We hope you enjoy this message. You can stand with me. We're going to read the word of the Lord. 2 Samuel chapter 6 and verse 19. Now the David anointing in ministry was a tremendous asset and blessing bringing Israel together and producing unity in the church and in the kingdom of God. He did a magnificent job with that, especially when he brought the Ark of the Covenant back home and he placed it where it belonged on Mount Zion. And of course, there was a great celebration and how many of you are thankful when you get to come to church and the presence of the Lord is here and you get to celebrate the goodness of the Lord. Anybody feel like a celebration? We live in a free country or at least for now we do. Don't know how long that will last, but at least for now we do. And thank the Lord for that. I thank God for every freedom that we do have. And we're going to enjoy every one of them as long as we have them. And we're going to be thankful for our country. It is not perfect for sure, but I thank God for the United States of America. I've been all over the world and there's no place like the USA. So we're going to celebrate the Lord, but now David did something unique in 2 Samuel 6 and 19 at the end of his celebration. Now, you got to understand, he put together a 288-voice choir under the direction of Jeduthun, Heman, and Asaph. And they sang and showered prophetic anointing and word upon the people as they worshiped God and the spirit of the Lord would move with such power and authority. And there were recorders there to record the songs because the many of them were sung spontaneously under the influence of the spirit under that anointing. And it was just a tremendous time of celebration. And isn't it great to hear this wonderful choir, all of the singers and the musicians. as they sing of the goodness and the greatness of God. But yet David understood something that I hope to communicate to you today. And he said, and he dealt among the people, even among the whole multitude of Israel. And this is what I like. He did this for the men and the women. He didn't leave anybody out. Now, I want you to just turn to your neighbor and say, God's not going to leave you out. Every one of you are going to be included in this special provision. Now, the world celebrates, does it not? It knows how to celebrate. If anything the world knows how to do is they know how to partay. They know how to throw down and have a party. But the problem with the world is, is that they never make provision for what David did here. 
They never want to include everyone. Mm. Because there's a lot of parties I'm not invited to. I'm not on the blue list. I'm on the black list. No, I'm not even on the list. Either one. There's a lot of parties you can't go to because not everybody's included. But this party... Everybody's included. Don't care who you are, where you're from. You're included in this party. Now, here's what he did. He gave to every man a loaf of bread, a good piece of flesh, and a flagon of wine. So all the people departed, everyone to his house. If you go to the world, you spend all your money at the celebration and there's no provision for the journey home. Never is. Never ever provide for the journey home. But David did. The good thing about church today, now I don't know who you are, don't know who might need this word today, but you're included in the celebration, no matter who you are. And you can take something home with you today. So I want to talk to you about the unexpected blessings of freedom. The unexpected blessings of freedom. You just thought you came to church today. You didn't know you was going to get a loaf of bread (laughs) and a flagon of wine in the spirit. Now that's Holy Ghost wine. You understand that. We're talking about spiritual refreshment in the house. There's another spirit, but we're not talking about the other spirit. We're talking about the Holy Spirit. Type and shadow of the real thing that fell on the day of Pentecost. God wants to provide for your journey home. Shall we lift our hands and thank the Lord for his word and receive it into our spirit and faith. Thank you, Lord, for including everyone for the provision that you have made, not only for the beautiful celebration of your anointing, the prophetic word that flows from the hearts of wonderful people who want to see lives changed by the power of the gospel. I thank you, Lord, for that glorious truth. And I thank you, Lord, for this wonderful word. And I ask that you would bless it in Jesus' name. God bless you. You may be seated. John Bunyan wrote Pilgrim's Progress in the 17th century. And one of the great blessings in the story is a Christian who left the city of destruction on his way to the celestial city when he stopped at a place called the Palace Beautiful. Now, the Palace Beautiful in the allegory is a type of the church, but not far from the gates of that Palace Beautiful was a place called the Valley of Humiliation. And in that valley was a place called Forgetful Green. In the valley, Christian built a monument where he fought a powerful enemy called Apollyon and overcame him with the help and the blessing of the Lord. And how many of you are so thankful that God is with you in the battle? 
We have fought and we have won. You have engaged the enemy and you have overcome. It was not long after he left the palace beautiful that he descended into that valley of humiliation and that battle with Apollyon took place. But when Christian was at the palace beautiful, he met the characters that helped him, that equipped him, that ministered to him. The Bunyan named them the sisters of the palace, discretion, piety, charity, and prudence. And when Christian reached the palace beautiful and when he got there, he was at the end of his strength. He was weary. He was spent. How many times have you come to church weary? Have you come to church feeling as if your last drop of energy had been drained by some battle during the week, exhausted and famished on your last leg, but you walk into the house of God and you feel the regenerating force and refreshment of the Spirit of God and the Lord begins to move and operate in your heart and you're lifted up. That's what God wants to do for every last one of you in the house today is to lift up your spirit so that you can continue the battle and continue the journey and be successful in your walk with God. But suppose that when he had come to the palace beautiful, there was no refreshment. And suppose that the sisters had not ministered to him and yet he was compelled to struggle along the road where he had fallen. He would have been unarmed and unprepared for the fight that this frightful foe had brought to his life. And there's no way for us to emphasize today, church, how valuable this church is to the household of faith. If I tried to describe to you the importance and the value of church, I could not sum it up for you. But in this story, these four sisters do not directly relate themselves to the battle that Christian was about to engage in. As a matter of fact, they didn't even mention it to him, nor did they warn him. They simply strengthened him. They allowed him to rest. They allowed him to be refreshed. They instructed him and equipped him. They took him to the armory. And there he was uh, equipped for the battle. The sword, which is sharper than any two-edged sword, that sword was given to him so he could engage the enemy. He put the armor on ready, tested in battle, knowing that that armor would suffice in the battle. And in this armor, he found the breastplate and the shoes that would never wear out. And it just seems like the sisters in the story were just hesitant to let him go. They just didn't want to let him go. So they followed him out of the gate. They had equipped him. He was rested. He was strengthened. He was ready to go. And he was ready for the battle and for the journey. But they just wouldn't let him go. As a matter of fact, Bunyan said it like this. They loathed to let him go because they knew what he was about to face in the valley of humiliation. That's the reason why when I feel that, that love and that fellowship of God's people and I feel the joy and the power of the Spirit moving upon you, I just want to bring you around. I don't even want to let you go because I know the battle out there. I know what you have to fight and I know what you have to face and I know what some of you have to go home to, what some of these kids have to go home to, but yet they're in the church trying to be strengthened so that they can steel themselves against the fight. They loathe to let him go. As a matter of fact, they just didn't know how to do it. And then all of a sudden, as if it was a last minute thought, as if they just thought about it, 
They gave him a loaf of bread and a flagon of wine in representation of the ministry of David and that anointing that brought Israel together on that great celebration. And they sent him away and they let him go. They turned back to the palace beautiful. And on his journey, he went. And there he met that frightful foe. But he was victorious over Polyon. But how many of you have ever won a victory? And just like Christian in the story, he sat down and realized, I don't have another strength to take one ounce of energy to take another step. How many of you ever felt like you've come to your last rope? Even though you won the battle, you have nothing less for anyone else. And, and you don't even have the strength, but yet he realized they gave me a loaf of bread and a flagon of wine and so that I can eat and drink and be refreshed. There is no victory, church, that you win. And there is no energy that you spend that my God cannot refresh and renew you. Even in the valley of humiliation. I don't know about you, but I thank God for the church today. I said, I thank God for the church today. The carnal man has no idea of the intrinsic worth and value of the church. It's so vitally needed in people's lives at the house of God. Our hearts are refreshed at church. Our souls are fed at church. It's at church that our spirits are uplifted. We pray at church. We sing at church. We worship at church. We hear the word of God preached at church. We fellowship with one another at church. At church, our children learn about the word of God and they learn about the Lord. At church, we are warmed. At church, we are blessed. At church, we are adjusted. At church, we are encouraged. At church, we are revived. At church, we are helped. We are healed at the church. Our spirits are healed and refreshed in the presence of the Lord. Now you may have just thought you came into a building, but I came into the presence of the Lord. I don't know about you, this is not just a building. This is where we come together in one mind and one accord to lift up Jesus. And I believe Jesus is in the house. Sorry for the noise today. I'm in the presence of the king. Sorry for the celebration today, but I've been saved, newborn, born again of water and of spirit. You may not think so, but the church is still the best thing going in all the earth. There is no institution, there's no science department, there's no educational department, there's no system of government. There is nothing on this earth as good as the church. If there's any fault to be passed around, don't put it on the church. 
because he said upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell I'm not talking about man made religion and I'm not talking about man made denomination I'm talking about the church that Jesus built I'm talking about the one that was built by the blood that was shed on Calvary's cross that church is the church triumphant If it hadn't been for the church, I would have fallen by the wayside a long time ago. See, the church is resilient because when it gets knocked down, she gets back up again. When she gets knocked down, she rises to the task of overcoming the enemy that fights. She might be persecuted, all sorts of accusations hurled at her, but she gets back up and she keeps going. The church is built on a strong foundation. It's built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. If the palace beautiful and all of its teachers say that this is a type of the church, then I suppose that this loaf of bread and this flagon of wine represents the unconscious, unrecorded, unexpected blessings and ministry that you receive when you come to the house of the Lord. You see, he didn't know whether or not he was going to make it. But yet when he got to the church, he realized there is a purpose for my life. I do have a destiny. Nobody can stop this destiny. They ministered to him. How many of you can remember the times when you came to church and you were down and God lifted you up? And then when you were out during the week, you remembered a Sunday school teacher. You remembered a Sunday school class. You recalled a camp meeting service or when Lee Stone King preached here or when somebody preached a hundred years ago. Some of you can remember that far back. You can't remember yesterday, but you can remember far back. Bless your heart. Hallelujah. But you still remember and God brings a song that you heard. I've got a song in my heart and nothing can take it away. I know you're going to fight battles. I know you're going to fight battles with bitterness. And I know you're going to fight battles with jealousy. And I know you're going to fight battles with spite. And you're going to fight battles with all the sarcasm and negativity of our world. But I refuse to allow their negativity. I think I'll just stop right there. I said I refuse to allow their negativity to change my faith in Jesus Christ and my stand on the rock. I love all of you and I value all of you, but I'm just come to declare to you that the rock is not Simon Peter But the rock in the text refers to the revelation he had of Jesus Christ. It's built on a rock and it's a firm foundation. I told you I would sing to you. You don't like it, but I'll sing it anyway. I said, this is built on a rock. The church cannot fall. 
Now there are pundits in the media and in the government that say they're going to destroy Christianity in America. But I've come to tell you, you can't destroy what God has built. You don't have a fraction of the power. There's not enough nuclear weapons on the planet that can take down the church because it's built on a firm foundation. So here's why I want you to come to church is because I need to give you a loaf of bread and I need to give you a flagon of wine. And I'm not talking about Mogan. I'm talking about Holy Ghost. Okay. Why? Because as you walk through the world, you're going to go through the valley of humiliation and there at forgetful green, you're going to encounter an enemy of spite. Apollyon will come against you. As a matter of fact, when Christian engaged him, it looked like Apollyon was going to win. As a matter of fact, he knocked him down. Apollyon just knocked him right to the ground. And when he did, his hand fell over and the sword fell out of his hand and skidded just a little ways. But Apollyon got arrogant and he raised up with his sword ready to pin him to the ground. But while he was talking and bragging and, and he was gloating before he made the strike, somehow Christian reached the sword that the sisters had given him at the palace beautiful. <laughs> and this is all he had to say. See, whenever you encounter the enemy, don't try to give your opinion. Because your opinion will not defeat him. But this is what he said. Rejoice not against me, O mine enemy. Woo! For when I fall, I shall arise. He grabbed the hilt of that sword and struck the enemy. And he flew off in a rage, screaming in the darkness. Woo! My, my, my. Somebody needs a bread of your victory in Jesus. You've got provision for the journey. Brother Ralph, when we were in the hospital room, there was such a, a peace of God. Explain that. You can't. You can't define that. How, how do you even have that when your heart's hurting and broken in a thousand pieces? But yet, we weren't in the Sunday night sensational celebration. But we found the loaf of bread. I don't have an explanation, but I know this. God knows what's going on. And one day, I said one day, we'll meet again on the other shore. Somebody needs to thank God for the church. 
See, in this moment when the sisters were loath to let him go, it's this moment right here where I loathe to let you go. Why? Because I know as me and Sister Angie Finney have been in many a hospital room, morgues and troubles and trials, and yet she's still back there. Because your Sunday go to meet and religion don't work there. But I've got a loaf of bread. And a flagon of wine that says it works in the emergency room. It works when you're up. It'll feed you when you're down. It'll feed you when you got a little boy to raise. When the tragedy strikes and all that's left is you, but you've got a loaf of bread and a flagon of wine. She took her sister's baby after her sister was in a tragic accident, but praise God, the Lord spared that baby's life. And now he's going to be raised in an apostolic church and hear an apostolic message. And who knows, he might become a great preacher one day. Woo! Because I've got a loaf of bread and a flag and a wine. I've got provision for the journey. See, the world won't do that. If you remember when David's Ziklag was burnt with fire and the Amalekites had burned it down and took his wives and the children and all the wives and children of his men and he didn't know whether he should pursue them or not and the Lord told him to pursue, you would recover all. They found an Egyptian on the way that had been discarded by the Amalekites because he fell ill and they threw him on the side of the road and left him to die. David found him. He had no idea who this man was. He didn't know if he was an Amalekite. Of course, he later found out he was an Egyptian. The biblical text tells us he was an Egyptian. And so he found out he actually knew where the Amalekite camp was. But at the moment, the brother was too sick to tell him anything. He just stopped by and said, I need to show this brother kindness. And he gave him a cake of figs. Wow. See, that's what the buyers will do for you. They'll, they'll get you so drunk, but there's no provision for the journey home. You think the bartender's going to come pray you out of the emergency room when you've been hit? What about the drug dealer? Are they going to come around and they're going to help you? 
Mm, no. They'll leave you to die because there's no provision. But I found an unexpected blessing. I found the secret of the tabernacle. Some of you just think the church is people and it's just carpet and pews, but I found the secret of the tabernacle. It's not just people and carpet and pews. It's friendship with God. And when you fall by the wayside, God won't leave you behind. Because there's one thing about this. He's not going to leave anybody out. I don't care if you're a backslider. I don't care if you've messed up. I don't care what you've done. He's going to come for you. He's going to pick you up. He's going to help you. My, my, are y'all feeling what I'm feeling in this service this morning? God is ready to be able to minister to you. Because you see, I loathe to let you go. Why? Because I know it gets lonely. Some of you look lonely. I feel lonely just looking at you. You're that lonely. I just shake your hand and loneliness comes all over me. (laughs) But I've got a loaf of bread for you in your loneliness when you feel like nobody understands. Anybody ever been to where you feel like nobody understands what you're going through? And guess what? The Bible will tell you in the book of Proverbs, we don't know what you're going through because only A man's heart knows his own sorrow. You're the only one that knows your own sorrow. Nobody knows that but you. So in that, you got to have a relationship with God to be able to overcome that. If you don't, you won't be able to overcome it. But just think, just think. You know, I've met some weird people at church. (laughs) Brother Shirty, not you. (laughs) He's, how long did you pastor? You pastored two great churches or three great churches. How many? Four, five, four, five, 45 years. That's too long for anybody. But God has been with him. We've met some crazy people in ministry. But every one of them was for our good. And for all the crazy people, I have met some good people in the house of the Lord. I'm going to tell you, Brother Shirty, God's been good and the church has been good to this preacher. And I know God's been good and the church has been good to you. And you got to have that kind of understanding or you can't get through the crazies.
I mean, I'm just being honest with you. You can't get through all your trouble. You can't get through the problems if you don't have that as a firm foundation in your spirit. But you see, goodness flows from the church as a fruit of the spirit. It exercises such an unconscious ministry, an unexpected it will happen unexpectedly at different times. Goodness will flow out of the church. And I, I, I just thank God for the church. It flows from the hearts of people. A man may forget all that his mother ever told him, but he'll never forget all that his mother was to him. He may lose the reckoning of his father's counsel, but never his father's character. It's not the things we can speak well, but the things we have no power to utter that fall on others and influence them. It was Sir Walter Scott that built his house and when he built a screen porch in a strange place, all of his friends that came to visit him for different times, they said, you put this in the wrong place. What did, you don't put it there. He said, I put it there because I've got a carriageman. I've got a man that works with my horses that he prays every evening and sings praises to God. And when I am sad and when I am lonely, I'll go sit on that porch and I'll listen to him worship. Have you ever felt like you lost your last friend, but when you came to church and you heard the choir sing? you're thankful you're in the right place it's the right time and nobody's going to be excluded from this I can hear the songs of unconscious ministry I was going through my journal and I had written down some words that had been spoken to me by prophets and prophetesses of 20 and 25 years ago. And my spirit was just refreshed again at the word that was spoken, even though they've gone to be with Jesus. Their words have not died. Some of those have already come to pass. Some of them have not. And yet God is still overseeing it all, making sure, watching over his word to fulfill it. I have that confidence because I believe that most of our ministry is unconscious ministry. Most of our ministry is done where we don't even know the effect or the impact that we're having. See, Sister Keisha, you don't even know the blessing that you are to see you on that second pew right now, worshiping and praising the Lord. With your condition and situation, God is still able to lift you up and heal you today with power and with victory. God's able to touch you, and yet she's weak, but she's in the house of the Lord. I worship and I praise the name of Jesus. We sent her out from this place to go to another place to minister, but yet God is still taking care of you and the Lord is able to bring you all the way through because ministry, you don't even know the impact when you worship the Lord and when you keep a joyful spirit. You don't know the ministry that you do. Amen. You have no idea the goodness of your testimony and the impact that it has. 
Church, I feel something so strong. You see, it's not the echoes of the sermons that people hear. It's the echoes of our lives that they need to hear. Because our lives lived are much more powerful than what our words preach from lips of clay. What a blessing you have been to me, many of you, when you have no idea what you have been. <laughs> you have no idea. I just got a word yesterday. The dude has no idea, no idea what that word meant. I didn't explain it to him. I just said, you have no idea. I didn't tell him I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> because there's just some things you don't need to say. Because there's no need to say it. The word is spoken. And that's it. And you let it go at that. You just don't have any idea. What some of you elders mean to me. You just don't have any idea. Just... There's, I don't have words to describe it. Just you being so faithful when everybody has aggravated you for years and yet you're still here. It's unreal how good God has been to this church. So there's my wife's mama, my wife, daughters, one, two, three, grandkids. That's four generations in this church right now. Alive and well. And there have been times when we've had five generations. And I, I don't know, we may have five generations alive and in church right now in the house. There's a possibility. I mean, I know it would go back that far as far as great-grandparents, but I'm talking about alive, actually attending church right now in the flesh. And there's probably, I know a four, and there could be five, and I'm trying to think of the fifth one. If anybody's got five generations still coming to church and alive today, that's, that is the blessing. God is so good. Now, choir, y'all going to have to sing again, so y'all might as well just stand up and get ready to sing, okay? And if I could request, I don't know if we can do that uh, first song that y'all did, the great blessing or the Jesus is the most blessing of all. I am more blessed than anything I know of or something like that. Whatever it was, it was pretty cool. <laughs> so as you know, and you can relax now, I'm done. So I will let you go to whatever you need to do. So, but you're going, to, you're going to let God give you your loaf of bread. You're not going home. You're not going home without the bread and the wine. 
You say, well, it has no New Testament implication, Brother Kinsey. I beg to differ with you. Don't you remember the Last Supper when Jesus took the bread and he broke it and said, this is my body, which is broken for you. When he took the cup, flagging, and said, this is my blood that was shed for you. And if he can go through that and experience resurrection, every last one of you can walk through anything and come out on the other side victorious. I love to let you go. I want to hold you here. I don't want you to go home because I know the battles you got to fight. I know the battles you got to fight. I know, I know the pain you got to go through. But I also know, I said I also know that there's a loaf of bread and there's a flagon of wine. And that's a David anointing and that's a Jesus anointing. Jesus being the greater son of David, fulfilling that making provision for the journey, doing what nobody has ever done. No matter where you go in the world, they will never give you provision for the journey home. You got to pay for everything there. You can enjoy yourself as long as you like forever, however time they have, and then they let you go. But not church. Yeah, we're going to celebrate while we're here. But God's going to give you something to take home with you. And when you meet your enemy, you're going to know, I've got a sword. I've got armor. I've got a name. I've got his word. I have his spirit. I've been washed in the blood. you got weapons to defeat the enemy. Y'all ready to sing all of that? That hallelujah, Jesus is a great blessing or whatever. All right, let's go. Hallelujah, God, above it all. Hallelujah, God, unshakable. We hope you enjoyed this message. Please reach out to us if you have any questions. We can be found at firstpent.org. That's F-I-R-S-T-P-E-N-T dot org. If you're ever in Pensacola, Florida, we hope you visit us. Be blessed in Jesus' name.